On this edition of Magic Pod Squad, presented by Kia, myself, David Steele, Jeff Turner, and George Galante catch up and recap on what was the most extreme NBA season in history. So much happening in this country, in the world, and certainly in the NBA. So we recap it all, going back to the beginning of the season, training camp, the addition of Markel Fultz, the re-signing of Nick Vucevic and Terrence Ross, Mo Bamba going into his second year, the addition of Al Farouk Aminu, and then the start of the year, Markel becomes a, a starting point guard in the NBA, and then the Magic playing great basketball, then the stoppage, the hiatus, the restart, the boycott, everything that happened in the NBA season. We do our best to recap it all in what is a fun listen and a great way to reminisce on the final Magic Pod Squad of the season presented by Kia. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. This podcast is presented to you by the all-new Seltos SUV from Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. Give it everything and welcome to the final Magic Pod Squad presented by Kia of the season. Dante Marcatelli, David Steele, Jeff Turner, George Galante. And guys, I don't know where how we do this or we're going to do our best to recap the last 11 months of this Magic season. Uh, it's been a wild one, unlike any other. And I was looking it up. The very first pod squad that we did was October 8th with John Hammond. We are coming up on 11 months since we did our first <laughs> show of the season. It's, it's unbelievable. And David, you just finished year 31. I, I know you never had a year like this one. Uh, just crazy. No, no, it's, um, it's certainly unprecedented. I mean, everything in the world is unprecedented right now. So uh, it's not a surprise that what we've been through is uh, something that nobody's ever been through, but uh you know, the thing is, Dante, it's still going on. I mean, yeah, you think right. about the eight teams that are, that are about to, to, to survive and move on uh, at, at the bubble at Disney. Um, they still have another six or plus weeks uh, to finish out this yeah. NBA season. So uh, it's been crazy. You know, I, my mind always goes to that, that day in uh, Memphis when things kind of started to get weird. You know, we were getting told, George was like, you can't talk to the players. Nobody. You can't go near them. You can't. Like that, remember that whole, <laughs> oh, you that could, whole day. You could talk to them, but you just had to be about 25 feet away. You had to be 25 feet. That's right. when, to me, when I think about this whole year, my mind goes right there. And then winning that game and standing on the tarmac and all that. But right away, like, what do you guys think of when you think of this year? I, to, you know what? That it makes me laugh because we're going through that whole stretch, right, where They've separated the players, like they've got their own little table, the meeting rooms and everything. And David and I are jammed into press row, like <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with all of these people. And it's like, what? What are we doing? Like, are we important or what? So, yeah. Well, and remember, too, you guys remember, you go into the media meal in Memphis there, and there's yeah. bowls of pretzels and chips, and everybody's digging their hands in there. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, was a, it was a concerted effort to keep the players safe, and that was it. But, <laughs> but you know what? You say that, and then, you know, we were doing all of these things to, you know, maintain social distance at the time of what we thought was social distance and this, that, and the other, but then we were all getting on the buses and the planes <laughs> with them. So I'm like, okay, let me get this right. I can't talk to them, you know, face to face in a room, a giant room, but I can go ahead and get on the plane with everybody. That's fine. Yeah. That's no big deal. Or on the bus. And everybody's like, well, you know, and you just realize 
we're just in for a world of confusion. We're just, we're just going to step into this world of confusion for the next, what, what has now been five months, six months. It's crazy. And George, I remember walking back from lunch. I think it was the day of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd had tamales and ribs, you know, at our favorite spot <laughs> on Beale yeah. Street. Yep. And we're walking back two or three blocks. And I think you got a call from somebody and, uh, and, and they said, uh, oh, the, uh, in the press conference, uh, David, you're not going to be able to do a one-on-one interview with Coach Clifford anymore. You're going to be sitting with the rest of the media, and uh, can't get. I can't get. I, I couldn't get within six feet of, of Steve Clifford for a pregame interview. Right. And uh, we thought, wow, that this is this is like changing everything. <laughs> we thought that was a big deal. And now right. look, you know, look what. Twenty-four, thirty-six hours later, the entire NBA is shut down. Now you guys are calling. Now you guys are calling games from from a place that the, you could have done that from your living room, I think. Yes. Now we're in a bunker. Crazy. Yeah. The craziest thing. The craziest thing to that point was watching you unwrap tamales. That was the craziest thing of our whole season. <laughs> and then eat them, which to you was shock was shocking that anybody would do that. But I, you know what? I I have to give you guys credit because I I was there uh, watching you guys work for the last two three weeks. Um, I mean, you guys are amazing because what you had to go through uh, to call those games, especially you know, especially when you take into account what happened initially for Game Five against Milwaukee, and to just call those games not being in the in the in the arenas, but you know, you talk to anybody outside and they all felt like you guys were there. And that's a, that's a real credit to you guys. I mean, you guys were, were true pros and, and it, it, uh, it was amazing to watch what went into putting those broadcasts together. So uh, you guys, you guys were top notch. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, George. It was, uh, uh, it was something, wasn't it, JT? Me and you and, uh, made it happen. Bill and Mark, audio, camera guy, Bill and Mark and me and Jeff and George in the bunker. That's George great. was our, uh, he was our stage manager, floor manager, statistician, <laughs> runner. Um, he did everything. He was in, in touch with uh, Disney, with whatever was going on, you know, whatever access we had to information from the game. George was our conduit for that um, in real time. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. But, you know, we weren't the only ones going through it. I mean, every NBA team that was in the bubble – their local, local broadcasters were doing something similar to what we did. So, you know, it was, it was a new world for all of us, wasn't it, Jeff? It was. And that reminds me, George, were you able to give your daughter Kate back her little uh, grease board or little whiteboard? <laughs> that that <laughs> really came in handy, didn't it, David? Yes. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing was, you know, the first – everything evolved. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. That first scrimmage game, you know, I, oh, I, I felt terrible about the way everything sounded and – um, I, I didn't think it was it was all that great, um, even though our production people, Ty Eastham and uh, Greg Hartung and all the people, uh, David Storm, the people that run the uh, the arena broadcast facility, they did an amazing job, really, before we even got there to pull, you know, to turn the arena into a television live broadcast studio. I mean, first of all, we got to give credit to all of those folks. And uh, but then when we got on the air, it was, um, you know, it was just so odd. And I think there were a lot of bugs to work out. One of the one of the bugs to work out was George would hold up uh, a note on his grease board on Kate's grease board that he brought from home, like a <laughs> ten to nothing run. He would write ten to nothing, but it was dark. We had you know it was like a theater setting, 
So Jeff and I are kind of lit. And we had little lamps that we figured out after game one that we needed a lamp, um, you know, to, to sit on top of our work. So that we didn't have that in game one. But we figured out we got a lamp. George is holding up numbers on a grease board, and Jeff and I can't see him because he's in the dark and we're in the light. <laughs> so the information George has is totally worthless to us. And, you know, it only took us, we're bright, you know, we, Jeff went to Vanderbilt and, you know, and I'm a, I'm not, you know, I'm an SEC guy, but not, not right. at that level academically, but uh, it <laughs> took right, us a few go. games to figure out, to figure out that maybe if we put a light on that, on, you know, on George's sign that we could actually see it. And uh, I think it was not, Jeff, you and I didn't figure it out. It was Bill. Our, no, Bill, I think, figured it out. Yeah, no question about it. That reminds me, David, you know what? We walked out of there, the arena the other night. You forgot to take your lamps with you, didn't you? you oh, I did. Lamps. Oh, I bought no. those lamps. Yeah, David. I forgot. Had, I, we needed lamps. Out of my own pocket. In fact, I, I got to send an invoice to uh, somebody to uh, get reimbursed for those 1999 lamps. <laughs> it was strange, though. You're right. I mean, you're walking in. Remember walking into that building for the first time, and you have free reign of an empty arena. There's no court down. The lights are off. And you're looking around and working with a crew. Everybody's got masks on. You can't get near people. You're afraid to touch anything that anyone else touched. And you're loading up on hand sanitizer. And all, it was just a, a, a surreal feeling. And then, I mean, did you ever feel 100% comfortable? Because like George said, you wouldn't know it. We're listening to you guys and the way you called the game. Did, did you eventually get some kind of a rhythm? Or was it just was it kind of awkward the whole time for you? Well, I think that's the whole thing is a tribute to the professional that David is. Come on, I just I just follow wherever he goes. So I think we did, David. I think we got a little bit of a rhythm um, as we were going. I mean, you know, you make the best of any situation. Those first couple of broadcasts were it was really awkward, and you know, but we would talk and kind of as we we're walking out to our cars through an empty arena about okay, what could we do better or. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I went back, you know, I, I try to go back and watch, especially those to see what we could do better. And I think the biggest thing, the hardest thing was you, you there's no energy, right? Like you yeah, have to create right. your own energy. And I think the players felt that as well, you know, and where they were. Um, so that was, I think that was one of the big things is, you know, really trying to get lost in the game and not yeah. what your surroundings are. The fact that you're watching it, on a, a television monitor, um, everything else was the same. So, you know, for me, once the game started, I think just, you know, just kind of focus on what's happening and um, not really on your surroundings kind of helped a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that was a challenge. That was a challenge, yeah. generating the energy. Did you find that too, Dante? Uh, you know, posting pre-half post is a little different, but still – you know, it was, it had to feel weird for you and Brian Hill also. We're used to yelling over the noise, you know, like you guys are when you're doing yeah. the game yeah. and we're doing those hits. And, and so to generate that excitement, you know, I, I tend to scream and yell on the broadcast anyway. So it didn't, I, I was able to get there somewhat, but it, but to not have to compete with the fans and all that was strange. But the funny thing for me was when they moved us. And again, you're right. Thanks to Ty Eastham and Storm and Mike Sprysensky and the radio, like they were radio engineers, TV engineers and, to make that all happen was just astounding. But when they moved us from the perch up there on the concourse into the practice level, into the practice court, 
And then when we were off air following around Brian Hill, I was unbelievable. I mean, he had free reign of the coach's locker room, the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, I was just – he goes, yeah, come on. Let's go in here and grab a water. Let's go in here and put the TV on in the family room and watch the game. Was, he, was, he was living large. He made himself right at home. That, that yeah, was yeah, the- too, too. Go ahead, George. No, I walked in one day. You guys, I was always there at you know after you guys were, and the best was I I was doing the Zoom calls, the pregame Zoom calls from the coach's office because I it was close, and the best was when I walked in there one day and the coffee machine was already going, and B <laughs> and B was standing there. He's like, "Hey, George, good morning. How's it going? You need a cup of coffee?" I'm like, "No, B, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you." I didn't expect anybody awesome. to be in there at all. I just was in there, by, you know, doing the Zooms, and B was already in there. Yeah. Brewing, brewing some coffee. It's good. Just, get, just getting a quick lift in, guys. Help yourself. <laughs> well, you know, the funny you know, thing is, is we were there, right? We were, David and George and I were all down there uh, while you guys were up on the porch, and we were yeah. all separated. We never saw each other at games. Right. David, George, we would have, you know, you just did your, your coaches stuff in there, your Zoom calls. We would have never dreamed of going in the coach's <laughs> locker room or anything. David and I are changing in the public bathrooms and stuff. It's like, what? Well, now, we can I do think, this? Really? This is okay? Think, don't you think we should explain why everything moved? Because, you know, this is the information. Yeah. What we're, yeah. It's not complete. Uh, we were yeah. doing things one way. Uh, Jeff and I were working um, from the bunker on the air, but then we had access to a, a public bathroom that we would change our clothes and and get ready, you know, to go on the air. And, uh, and then, and Dante, uh, you and Brian were up in the arena bowl. This was early in, in the yep. restart up and your normal spot with the yep. scoreboard and in the, the background and the yep. arena in the background, it was empty, but it, you know, I think it looked great. And then wrestling took over the Amway center. Right. And so everything changed. We had to move out. They had access to all those areas. And so then we got, we got cordoned off into a different area, which included the practice court, the, the coach's locker room, and we had a, a different entry and exit route for the rest of the, of the go. So that, that happened, what, about about the time the playoffs started, maybe the last couple of restart right. games. Right. Then we had access to the coach's locker room, which is really nice and none of us had ever seen. And, you know, it was <laughs> – and Brian Hill, like no. you said, Dante, he, he, he felt real comfortable in there, so – um, we, we, we had a good time after that began. You know what was my favorite we thing? We could all be whole, together. We could all be together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I discovered I'd never seen those toothbrushes. They have a, they have a jar at the sink. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I just ate my sandwich because we also had to bring our meals in. There's no right. meals. So we're bringing – I got a lunchbox. Jeff has his lunchbox. I've got a Paw Patrol. Jeff, what did you have? You had uh, I had a plastic bag. <laughs> Yeah. Jeff's too cool. He had a brown bag. Jeff's way cooler than us. He had a brown bag. bag. Yeah. So we we bring our own food. We eat. And then, you know, you're getting ready to go on the air. You know, you want to make sure you don't have food in your teeth because you might smile and at some point someone might see food. So uh, in the coach's locker room, there's this, this, this jar and these, it's, uh, they're wrapped up in a, in, totally wrapped up. No, Dante, David took the one David took the one that said Clifford right on it too. He <laughs> just put it right no, in his mouth. Were, <laughs> so I open one of them up and they and I and I brush my teeth and it's got toothpaste in it. The brush has toothpaste already in it. So individually wrapped brush your teeth. Individually yeah. wrapped. Totally safe. Make himself at home. <laughs> that was that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. That is fantastic. 
I actually took a picture of it. I'm going to order some and have them, you know, so I, if I go places, I just throw one of those in my bag. Yeah, you got to that, that's a that's a Sid and Jacob find. They found those years ago. Those have been oh, in the man. players' locker room that's for fantastic. a really long time. I like that giant vat of Listerine. I was using that thing, just hammering that, get a little, get a little. And then I, I don't know tell you guys, but I, I found – I found Pat Delaney's shower shoes to be the most comfortable. I was going to say, Mike Batiste fit me perfectly. So that was great. <laughs> <Did he? laughs> and all that, it just worked out. It was meant to be, really. It was meant to oh, be. Those guys are going to go in there. They're gonna, it's going to be like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah. Somebody's been sitting somebody's been wearing my sandals i knew we crossed the line when david had had hetzel's robe on i, I knew we crossed the line at that point we're gonna, we're gonna, no return we're gonna find brian's point. garment bag right. they're gonna find my shoes they're gonna find right. all that stuff a couple but, of uh, lamps in there <laughs> i gotta get those lamps. i brought in my own keurig from home to plug oh. into the kia deck so we would have coffee but yeah it was a strange situation and uh it's, it's one we'll never forget there's no question about it but but we got through it and then you know we're about we're about right about to go on the air and chumo kiki's shooting jumpers in there and al farouk aminos in there warming up and it was just you know it was kind of a strange scene but but we got through it hey florida if you need to venture out to get your essential items please don't get behind the wheel if you've been drinking instead find a designated sober driver or use a delivery service and remind your designated driver to always wear their safety belt and comply with the speed limit we want everyone to make it back home safely Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. This message has been brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. All in all, uh, unfortunately, the season came to an end a couple of days ago. But, you know, if you look at the start of the season, guys, you remember, you know, you're coming into training camp and we had added Al Farouk Aminu and um, you're going into now year three of Jonathan Isaac. You're excited about that. And, and the biggest, you just re-signed Vooch and Terrence Ross. And, and we're getting our first look at Markel Fultz, you know, to kind of see what what, what we had here with Markel. I mean, I, I remember that just kind of that excitement of training camp and, and finally getting this thing on the ground with these, all these pieces. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I heard, ahead, I heard Steve Clifford talk about it after the game about how different the roster looked. Um, and I hadn't really thought of that. Right. And I thought that was a great comment for him to, to uh, present at the end of uh, game number five. Um, you know, as close as we are to the situation, I, I had not really put all that together that how different the team looked. Um, from uh, from day one of training camp um, to the end of the playoffs, finally in, in late August. But yeah, I mean, you know, you had because I remember thinking, Jeff, you and I talked about it so much. Look how deep this roster is at the yeah, four yes. position. You've yeah. got Al Farouk Aminu, Minu. You've got Gordon that can play it. Uh, you've got uh, Isaac can all play that spot. That is a you, you're you're stacked at that spot, and you lose all three of those guys in the playoffs. So and Gary Clark Jr., a guy that wasn't on your team until January is, is your guy playing 30 minutes a game. It was crazy. the MVP. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could have used those guys, right? Like, yeah, you're right, David. I, come to think of it. We were talking, are we too deep, right? Like how is Steve yeah. going to be able to uh, manage the minutes and, and get all of these guys on the floor at the four position? Um, yeah. And then we're, you know, we're kind of, we're starting, two guys really at the three and four that we picked up um, right around the, um, the trade deadline or just before in Gary Clark and James Ennis. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of reflecting and, you know, and continuing to watch the playoffs and everything, just what those two guys did uh, coming in middle of the season and what they brought to the team. Those, 
Gary Clark and James Ennis, warriors, yeah. you know, to be put in that situation. And then you go into the playoffs and, you know, those two guys and Kim Birch really responsible for trying to slow down uh, Giannis Dedekumbo. I mean, um, I, just kudos to those guys. I know, you know, Steve Clifford, um, high praise. He had high praise for all three of those guys. Um, but, you know, really, if you think about it from where we started to where we finished and the roster, as you guys are talking about, those guys kind of just jump out to me as um, taking advantage of an opportunity, but really giving us something, just toughness, effort, energy, um, that I, you know, frankly, I'm not sure if we don't have those guys down the stretch through the play, the play-in games or whatever we want to call them, the seeding games. Um, I'm not even sure we get there, to be honest with you. So kudos to them. That's a good point. Yeah, go ahead, George. Sorry. No, I was going to say, well, now, guys, looking at looking ahead a little bit, where do you think this roster falls, especially even at the power forward spot for next year? Because you're probably going to be without Jonathan uh, for the season or, or at least a good chunk of it. I mean, Je Jeff Weltman yesterday already said that they we're planning on not having him at all for the season. Uh, Farouk is coming off of his injury. You know, where, where do you think we, we look there at that, at that four spot? Well, well, I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have Gordon. I think Farouk is likely to be back and ready to go. It depends on when this starts, but I'm expecting, uh, and I think the team is too expecting to have him back and, and Aaron. And I, I don't know if you're going to need to pick up other players at that spot now or not. Gary Clark could be in the mix as well. You know, I mean, I, I know there's, you know, coaches like this guy. I mean, uh, Houston didn't really want to lose him. They were in a situation in January where they had to let one guy go um, for luxury tax purposes and uh, freeing up a roster spot for later on. And, you know, I think they, if they had a do-over, they, they might have let Isaiah Hartenstein go instead of Gary Clark Jr. at this point. But they made that decision, and we were the beneficiary. So I think Clark is an NBA player, so um, – for sure, and, and can play on a good team. We've seen that. So he might be a part of the mix. Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, they've got some big decisions to make, though, between now and the start of the season. Dante mentioned earlier, you know, we also saw uh, while we were in the, in the practice facility, we saw Chumo Kiki as well. And, yeah, right. um, you know, he's put on some size, um, which, you know, has given some time. He was moving pretty well. Obviously, for him, I think the big issue is – he hasn't played, um, and so that's going to take him a little bit of time. So, I mean, I, I think there are pieces there at the four spot and everything. Certainly enough that, you know, we, we, I, I think it's realistic to say, and again, depending on when the season starts, we don't know that, that um, planning on not having Jonathan Isaac is realistic. You know, you tear your ACL, you need a year at least, right? Um, to, to recover from that. So, you know, it puts us into August. Um, so we'll see where we go there. But again, I think, you know, if you've got Aaron, uh, you know, and, and chief uh, and Chuma, and then as David says, whatever you decide would do with Gary Clark, I think you've got, you got some pieces there um, that you can build with and see what we add. All right. We're going to pay Jeff Turner's uh, expenses here during the season. Hey, Florida, if you need to venture out and get your essential items, please don't get behind the wheel. If you've been drinking, instead find a designated sober driver or use a delivery service and remind your designated driver to always wear their safety belt and comply with the speed limit. We want everyone to make it back home safely. 
Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. And you guys are mentioning Jonathan Isaac. And, you know, you think about the, the highs that we had and big wins in L.A. And, you know, the excitement of that, you know, winning three straight games on that road trip. And, you know, you had a, you had a lot of high moments. But twice, I mean, we had two crushing lows. We, we lost Jonathan Isaac twice this year. We lost him on yeah. New Year's Day with that first injury. And then the ACL uh, in August at the end of the seeding games. I mean, that, just what that poor guy's been through. Uh, but his attitude is just incredible. We, we talked to Jeff Weltman yesterday on Magic Drive Time, and he said the day after, he's sitting in a chair, getting ready to be picked up to have his surgery. And he said, hey, this is day one of my rehab. Let's go get it. You know, just the, the unbelievable positive mentality that that guy has. Obviously, deeply rooted in his faith, but uh, just a, a special individual. And you know, just feel for what that guy has gone through this year. Yeah, I wonder uh, how many how many players have had two season-ending injuries in, in one yeah. season. I mean, yeah. a season-ending injury by name is end of the season, right? <laughs> right, correct. And then, and then it happens twice. So it's just another one of the bizarre yeah. things that's hard, happened. During that's hard to do. Year. That's really hard to it's do. Hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. May never be done again. My, my no, God. I hope not. I hope and not. That's, now that's anything. That that could be uh, that could be a. And is this anything for next year? We'll have to put that one away. But that time Tuck in D.C., you're sitting there, you watch him get, you know, taken off the floor on a stretcher, and you're thinking this. And then in the locker room, he's getting dressed, and he's laughing, and he's walking to the plane, and he said, just, just add that to the list of bizarre things that have happened this year. You think he's gone for the year, then you think he might miss a game or two. Right? Yeah, I know, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff never felt like it was, <laughs> well, was going to be good. No. That's true. That's no, true. when we saw it and, you know, we were hearing, you know, oh, he says he's fine. And I was thinking, no, no, he's no, not fine. No, he's not. Yeah. And, you know, and I actually thought then um, that it might have been an ACL, just the way that it, that it right. happened. Um, but I just, you know, like, I guess having, having gone through uh, one of those, an ACL tear and everything, it's just, you know, you talked about, Jonathan Isaac's spirit, uh, his faith and things like that. When you're rehabbing uh, a, a severe injury like that, there are so many ups and downs, guys, emotionally. I mean, you, you reach a level where you think you see progress, like great progress, and then you'll have a week where it's just like, you know, you just can't, you can't achieve the strength goals you want or you can't move or you get some more swelling uh, that's just like, where did this come from? Um, it is just such a grind to come back from something like that. But because of who he is, like you just feel like, you know, J.I.'s, you know, he's going to be there. You know, he's going to be back. And, um, and, you know, just, you know, we all want him on the floor so bad, not just because we know he helps the team, but for him, from a mental standpoint, when this is what you do and this is what you work for, um, you know, just seeing him on the floor um, when we came back for the seeding games, you know, we, we'd really going in, we really weren't sure, right, that he would even play. We, we, he was yeah, going, sure. he was going to try it. And I really believe – according to all everything everybody said was that first game, that incredible first game that he came back and played what, 10 minutes or 12 minutes, whatever yeah. was really a reward. They were just giving him a, just, you know, here's a reward for all your hard work. And then it was like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, them. that's yeah, exactly that. But um, 
just to be where he was and to see the joy that he was playing after, you know, just knowing what he went through, you know, it, it, there's a low, but there, that's, that's one of the highs too, right? Just to see him get back out on the court and um, play with that, you know, just confidence and uh, joy that is, you know, exemplified in that, you know, megawatt smile on his face. I mean, he is just like, he lights up a room. So it's he just, had, it was fun to watch. He had even more confidence to me when we saw him. The, the, he was a different player, even in those three games, four games where we watched him, than we watched him all the previous year or even in the beginning yeah, maybe. of this year. Like, I, yeah. I just felt like he, I don't know what switch turned on inside of him or if it was just that first game where he just, he hit so many shots and that ended up, you know, building onto his confidence. But uh, he just seemed like a, a completely different guy to the point where, you know, the four of us were talking like, well, like, okay, if we, if we have him and he's playing like this, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, what, what, what is this going to look like? What this yeah. could be, you know, cause we kind of went into the seeding games, you know, just thinking, okay, we're going to hover around eight and we'll, we'll play Milwaukee and it probably won't be good. And, you know, we're going to see how this works. And then all of a sudden Jonathan comes out and it was, a, it completely changed. It changed everything. It changed everything. Well, I think mind. this play, I think his play lifted yes. the play lifted of, of everything. everybody. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, it, it changed right. everything. Um, it changed the, you know, the, the I think it, it changed the way they felt about their chance to be successful too, because he was so good and uh, what it was, but in, in, in retrospect now, it was a window into the future, right. For, for the team and yeah, for us, true. because, um, because we know, we know he gave us a glimpse of what he's going to be all about as a player. Um, and, and he's going to come back. He's 22 years old. So let's say he's 23 when he comes back um, the season after next, he's 23. I mean, he's, you know, he still has a lot of years left and uh, he could stay away from the injuries and hopefully, you know, that knock on wood, this will be the last significant injury for, for J.I. And uh, there's a history of players having problems early in their career and then, you know, settling down and, and having long and successful careers. So, you know, I, I, I don't think we should be too discouraged about it. It's disappointing, but um, he's given us, a, a, you know, again, a window into what his future looks like. We know how hard he works. We know how, how strong his character is. We know how much his teammates love him. We know how much his coaches appreciate what he does. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be a tough year for us not to see him on the floor. It's going to be even tougher for him not to be out there. But um, he's I, – I still think he's got um, an incredible future, and, and he's going to be a central part of this team for many years. Well, the big no, part of that, David, is, is that – with the advances in medicine and technology surrounding mm -hmm. surgeries and everything, an ACL tear no longer is a career yeah. ending injury, right? It's just, these things happen right in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And we see guys come back um, just as good all the time. So there's a lot of, a lot to be uh, hopeful about with Jonathan Isaac. Hey, Florida, if you need to venture out to get your essential items, please don't get behind the wheel if you've been drinking. Instead, find a designated sober driver or use a delivery service. And remind your designated driver to always wear their safety belt and comply with the speed limit. We want everyone to make it back home safely. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. This message has been brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. Yeah, and you guys, and I, you know, I, I had not told you guys this. George knows it a little bit, but you know, people ask once in a while, "What is it about Jonathan? What separates him?" And I'll give you an example. 
I mean, me and George did a, a Magic Pod squad with Jonathan Isaac, and I had asked George beforehand at the end, can I ask Jonathan to, to do a video message for me? I've got a mutual friend whose son is 10 and just going through a horrific battle with cancer. You guys put together a video for him. He's a big Magic fan. He watches the games. So, you know, I had Jeff and David do one, and he said, yeah, just ask him. He sent me the video, unbelievable message, and, and we recorded it and sent it to him and it you know made made his world and then he sends me a text a week later and said how's how's my guy Grayson doing you know following up you you don't always see kind of that follow-up and you know these guys are tugged in so many different directions and and so many requests are asked of them and George you know that but he wanted to make sure you know he was he was feeling better then he said can you give me his address and I said yeah sure I, I got his address and he mailed him some gear bobblehead of his own and uh you know, he's a man of faith. So at his church, they have a prayer shawl and they cut off pieces of it and you're supposed to hold it or wear it while the church prays for you. And he cut off a piece of that from the church and sent it to Grayson and asked if he would wear it so that he and the entire church could pray for him. And then it continued to be every week or two, how's my guy doing? How's my guy doing? And just a constant follow-up to the point that, you know, his mother texted me when he rang the bell and got to get out of the hospital uh, about a month ago, that that was one of the biggest motivating factors was that, that someone like that, you know, he said, you know, we don't understand that. We thank God we've never had to go through that with what that would mean to our kid. But somebody in that role and of that significance taking the time and, and having that interest in him, lifted him and, and just kind of was one of the factors that, that he was able to beat that thing. And I, I, you know, I told Jonathan, you know, he needs to know that, you know, what that meant to him. But I think it's interesting. And I, I think that's, I think that's something you hear that, you see that firsthand, and boy, that that would make you root for a guy even harder. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, that's a great story. I had not heard that story, Dante. That's 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 wonderful, and uh, you know, that's why that's why he's so beloved by mm-hmm. his teammates. Uh, he's real. He's it, there's nothing phony about what right. Jonathan Isaac is about as a human being. I mean, it's it's from the heart. It's uh, it's who he is, and um, you know, that's that's a pretty special guy right there for sure. Yeah, and he told him in the video, I need you to get better. I need you to come see me. I want to have you out at a game. So that's going to be a powerful moment, not only having him back in the building, but, you know, that'll be special. But, guys, when when at some point, we hope it's at some point next year when we're starting the season, but when you open those doors and, you know, something you take for granted, multiple thousands of people in a building watching a basketball game, we've not had that. I mean, how, how powerful is that going to be, the first game, whenever it is, when we're able to re- reunite with our fans again? I may cry. I'm not going to lie yeah, to you. I, I may cry. It, it has been seriously. so long. Uh, just And George that, is not one to get out there and, and mingle <laughs> with fans. <laughs> and, and it's going to mean a lot to him. And it's going to I, may, I may stand at the door and hug everybody. Is that, will, do you think that will be allowed or will that be frowned yes, upon? Yes, that will be fine. Will that That'll be frowned be upon? I, I, I might just, be a little intimidating, right? Like having all that like noise and energy, David. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of got used to having my uh, peanut butter sandwich over there next to me that I could just sit on the table. Like you might retreat to the bunker. I don't think I'll ever get used to the bunker. I'll, I'll take no. the arena. Absolutely. Yeah, well, won't we, that be powerful? We'll get to we we'll get to reunite with fans and, and have them in yes. the building. They're such an you know an integral part of integral part of this whole thing. It's going to be great to have them back. All right, guys, we got, I guess the last thing is for this team, and you guys alluded to it a little bit, but there's some decisions. Evan Fournier has, has a decision to make. He can opt out or come back. I, I would think with the uncertainty of this climate, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I would think 
it would behoove him and everybody who has an opt-out year probably to return to their teams. But, you know, that's his decision, and, and we'll see. DJ Augustine's a free agent. We know what he means to this team on and off the floor. And, um, you know, Markel Fultz got to end this season on his terms, which I think is fantastic for him. Just missed one game all year. So what does his growth look like for next year? So there's, there's a lot that kind of has to be – clear it up in the next couple of months as we get ready for next year. You know what, for me, Dante, and you guys can weigh in on this because we haven't talked about it. I do want to spend a minute or two talking about Nick Vucevic and what he did during very, the playoffs. Very good. Yeah. Because true. I feel like I had a conversation. This was after game three or four, very quick, briefly on text with Matt Lloyd. And this was after Vooch had another just, I mean, he was so good in the playoffs. He was mm. so good in that series, especially coming off of what, you know, what, what he went through against the Toronto Raptors in, in, in the uh, 19 playoffs, for him to come out and do what he did in this series uh, with, under these circumstances, can he take some of this and apply it into next year? I know we don't, we, we usually don't say, well, you know, there's really no carryover and, you know, you separate one from the other, but he has to be able to take some of this success, right, that he had in this series and even he's already at an all-star level. He was at an all-star level last year. Um, he got off to a slower start this year, but you know, during the last 20, 30 games of the season, he was right at the numbers as he was at the, you know, all of last year, 21 and 11, 21 and 12. And this playoffs being 29 and, and 12, can, can he take a step here into next season and really take us to a different level if he's gonna be that type of player? I, yeah, I, I, what I do you think, so. Jeff? I, I, you know, yeah. I think so. I know we we talked about it a lot. Yeah, Jeff and I both think that's a, that's a case. Yeah, I, and and you guys have heard me make the point often that there's a there's a time in a player's career, and it's usually into his late twenties, early thirties, where the game has just slowed down enough. You know who you are as a player. Um, and you've matured, and you see it differently, and that's where Nikola Vucevic is in his career. He's in his prime, um, and I, I will say this, and we probably didn't talk about it enough on air. It's one thing to say, you know, I was disappointed in my performance last season, and I've got to raise my level of play, but George, as you talked about, to do it, to actually go out and play at the level he did against the best defensive team in the NBA this season by the numbers uh, was really something special. So um, I think, you know, the confidence that you get from that, the fact that you did it, you went out and did it. Um, and Steve Clifford talked about it time and time again in his Zoom calls and things like that when asked about it is, Vooch, during the first time they were allowed in the arena, he was the first one in there. So last to leave, sometimes twice a day. He got himself uh, in the best shape um, and was ready for when these playoffs started. So I think as a player like that, to have had the success, I would expect him to come back uh, whenever the season begins again, ready now he's ready to go to the next level, right? So I've been to the playoffs twice. I had a disappointing one. I had a good one. The next step is we got to really compete. We got to get, you know, competing to get to the later rounds of the, of the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah, I think what we saw, too, I, it was one of my questions to Coach Clifford, I believe it was before game four, about the, the volume of three-point shots that Booch took in the, in the series. 
Um, and, you know, he can get good three-point looks pretty much every night until teams really decide to take that away from him. And then, you know, he's capable of making teams pay for that. So, um, I, you know, I think the next step, and Steve Clifford said, yes, this, this is what we'd like to see, to take seven, eight, nine threes per game. I mean, that, that's where the league is. And he, if he's going to be a 40 to 44% three-point shooter, then, uh, you know, that's a high percentage play for the Magic. And again, if teams start trying to take it away, um, he's capable of putting the ball on the floor. He's capable of making the, the right pass. So, um, yeah, he's, I think he's, like Jeff said, he's, he's in a great spot <clears throat> as a pro. Um, I think back about, um, and it's interesting to me watching Jimmy Butler just play so well for Miami. And several years ago, there were people around the Bulls that, you know, that, that Jeff and I talked to and, you know, ah, Jimmy Butler, he's a good player, but, you know, I don't know. He's not a guy, you know, he's not a guy. He's, he's just another, he's, he's just another good player. And so he leaves Chicago, then Philly has him. And, yep. you know, they, they, they basically say the same thing, you know. Well, don't and, forget and after, now, he, after he took Minnesota to the playoffs. Don't forget that little stint there oh, too, yeah. right? Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah. So he's, he's bounced around a little bit. But uh, when you have a guy that is that talented and that competitive and works that hard, I'm not saying Vucevic is Jimmy Butler. Butler's a different animal altogether. But, but Vuce is pretty special in his own way, in a different yeah. way. There's not many but big guys at, the, that can do what he so, can do. You but got David, something Jimmy, special. You just got to recognize it as well. Correct. Yeah, you're but, right. you're but Jimmy Butler is in that that prime of his career, right? He's right. at that point, right, where all the work, you know, that we, you know, is we know about. He's ready to, um, you know, take on the responsibility of being the guy, right, for the Miami Heat, and um, so that's you know that's where he is. So if you I, had, I feel like Booch yeah. is in the same position. If you had – he was so good to you guys' points that if you had one or two other guys kind of raise – you know, get just catch fire in that – that's a completely different series. That puts a lot more pressure on Milwaukee. Now, their defense had a big big reason uh, – was a big part of that. But you, I, I saw somebody mention the other day, you got Vooch, who's a career 18-10, and 20-10 and 10 guy, right? He's been consistent every single season in the NBA. Then he has this unbelievable postseason. And then the point was – Maybe Marcus All really is a very good defensive center, because <laughs> you know, he's he's been twenty and twelve, twenty two and ten his entire career. So you gotta you kind of gotta give a little credit to Gasol last year, and and Vooch was upset about that, and he took it to another level. I mean, he he did some things that we've not seen in, in the postseason before. So yeah, you're right, Jordan. That's a good point, and and credit to him. And I think that was good. You know, Evan Fournier didn't have a great postseason, but he had a career year. He had a career regular season shooting the basketball. You know, and, and just having Markel Fultz healthy. And I thought that was the best thing from Jeff Weltman yesterday was was that, you know, next year let's let's not be talking about the injury anymore with Markel, right? We've moved on from that. Let's let's hope we're in a point where he's healthy. And now we're just talking about how how he's learning the game and what he adds to the team. I think that's why what you know what you're talking about. You're talking about Fultz twenty two, Isaac, who we won't have next year, twenty two, but he's a big part of the future. Um, Chuma Okiki obviously is a big part of the plans. Um, Fournier is not likely to opt out. I don't think you're going to see a lot of roster changes. You know, yeah. I certainly Aaron wouldn't. Gordon, presume. what's Aaron Gordon, 24? Aaron Gordon, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't presume to speak for the front office, but um, just given the circumstances and where we are, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to see major changes. Would any of you guys? I wouldn't. No, I no, I don't think so. I don't think so yeah. either. And you may not see a whole lot of change 
throughout the league. They, they, throughout they, the I league, think yeah. you're going to see a lot yeah. of – That's think part of That's a big part of it. see what this 2021 season is going to look like and when it's going to start and what the salary cap is and this, that, and the other, I, I, I think you may just see a lot of teams just kind of standing pat. But you may see a situation where a team – see, these are the things we don't know and the conversations that are being yeah. had. You know, Jeff Weltman told us yesterday, you know, two of the guys he gets the most calls about – are the two centers who, quote-unquote, don't fit today's game anymore, right? Nick Vucevic and Mo Bamba. Well, they're three-point shooting bigs, so they absolutely fit in today's game. And those are the guys that those are the guys that every team is calling about. So you don't know what guys did maybe during this year or in the postseason that raised some eyebrows where other teams may have an interest and in, in come calling and, and, and want some of the assets that we have. You're just, you're just not sure. But – um, no, you're right. I, I think our, our guys are quite happy with where we're at and give them another year together and, and then just start to get healthy. Well, guys, I, I appreciate it. It was a long road. We finally made it uh, 11 months worth of podcasts. And I know each one was memorable to each one of you guys. <laughs> their own way. But it was fun. We got another season in the books and, you know, it's fun. You know, fans enjoy it. They enjoy the behind the scenes uh, they enjoy the interaction because kind of some of the insight we're able to provide with, with the players and the front office and, and all that. So, so nice job on this and throughout the whole year, guys, uh, a job well done in unbelievable circumstances. Thanks, Dante. Appreciate everything. Thanks, Dante. Now we'll have to see if we keep those sponsors for next year. That's, that's the goal. We've got to, we got to have those sponsors going into next year. Well, I, have David, a meeting, where, I have a meeting in a couple of weeks and I think we're adding some more, but more adding more. Make all right. Sure Dante, that David use a little bit of that money so David gets reimbursed for those lamps. I'm really yes. worried about those lamps. I am worried David. too. Yes, for sure. I gotta like go this? get those lamps. Is it like this lamp? A nice little lamp like that? Uh, no, not that. Not that nice. <laughs> not that nice. Not that nice. Can I get back in the arena now to get those lamps? Or, or yeah, we'll, sorry, we'll, David, we'll figure that out. Sorry, or, or they may have. I've yeah, got they that have, phase one badge that says phase one on it. Are we still in phase one over there? You mean that big chest protector that you could wear when you were umpiring? Yeah. Yes. I didn't yes. wear it one time, guys. I didn't wear that thing one time. Sorry. Top notch. Top notch, Dante. Way to abide by the rules. Don't you guys want to know what's in guard? I, one security guard wouldn't let me get in without that. I, you know, nobody else really noticed, but we had one. Where, where's that? Where's that big one? You got to have that. So I was rummaging through my bag to, to find that thing. I had my social security card. I had everything. This is me. I swear just, this is me. I'm disappointed. Really fit in your bag, didn't I know. It? That thing's too big. I'm disappointed we won't be anywhere near that coach's lounge ever again or that family room. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We've We're seen done. It. We've seen it for the last that, time. That was a highlight. That was that nice. That was a highlight. All right, guys, appreciate it. This podcast presented to you by the all-new Seltos SUV from Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. Give it everything. We'll see you soon.